You're listening to episode 281 with Justin Hallis. Justin is a good friend of mine. I had the honor of speaking next to him actually at an event in LA and in Orlando. And I got to hear his story of how he basically was addicted to drugs and alcohol from his teenage years, 12, 12 years old, to falling, getting back up, falling, getting back up, falling, getting back up. And now he leads his own recovery program that's called High on Jesus. Um, When I heard his story, I was like, I literally have to interview this person. His story is so unique and impactful. I have no doubt, even if you're not an addict, even if you've never even tried drugs or alcohol, I can guarantee you, you're still going to find value out of this episode. As always, if you found something that you really liked or something that was thought-provoking, take a screenshot of when you heard it, write down what you heard, uh, take that screenshot on what you heard and put it up on Instagram, put it up on Twitter, put it up on LinkedIn, share it with any of your friends, text your mom, because that is what learning is all about. And without further ado, episode 281 with Justin House. So Justin, the first question that I always start off and ask my guests is how do you spend your time here on planet Earth? <laughs> that's uh that's a that's a good one. I was sometimes I wish God would have threw us a little more than uh, than 24 hours in that day. But um, <laughs> but uh yeah, so so I can tell you that uh you know, first and for, foremost we'll probably get into more of my story later. Um the most important things that I do every single day is first spending my one-on-one time with, with God. That's uh that's a huge deal for for me. Uh, also taking care of myself mentally and physically and spiritually every single day. Um, also, uh, my my wife and my three awesome kids are a huge priority of mine as as well. And then in the midst of that, I do uh, you know as much as I can to uh, to put towards my basically probably two and a half full time jobs that I have going on. Mm-hmm. But that's the uh, recovery ministry for for High on Jesus that that we have uh, the nonprofit organization that I run called Hand Up to Victory. And uh, also, we got some things on the on, on the side that we're you know putting putting together also, but uh, with all that stuff I just mentioned and trying to fit sleep in there, some, some you know somewhere, <laughs> that's about that's about the the, the twenty four hours of my day. <laughs> yeah, man, I, absolutely, bro, and uh, and you know for those of you guys that don't know, um, Justin and I are actually we were invited to be speakers alongside one of our friends. Uh, Billy Allsbrooks's tour. Yes, uh, we got to speak in Orlando. We just spoke in LA. Yep. And I got some time to you know spend some genuine time with Justin. And you know, honestly, man, you are by far one of the most you know interested, uh, well-hearted people I know in general. And I was like, Thank I you, have brother. to get you on this podcast because the way your brain works, the way that you work is just completely different. I want to share that with the world, man. So, I mean, we could talk about so many different concepts, but I mean, dude, I just want to like, I want to get into like your origin story. Like how did you get your superpowers? How did, you know, (laughs) tell us a little bit about your life. Like from early on as you were a kid, anything that like really shifted who you were as a person, some of like your biggest issues that you faced sort of on your 
like in the beginning of your life and, and we can go from there if that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, like, uh, like a lot of us, you know, I think that we, you know, had some significant things happen as a, as a, as a kid. Um, mm. you know, some, some things that, that really affected me that, that, that's, that stuck with me, you know, some, uh, some childhood traumas, if you, if, if you will, uh, moving forward, you know, my parents had gotten divorced and, and, my dad, you know, I don't think he did it maliciously, but he wasn't around for me. You know, work was his his number one thing that that he did. And so um, I, when I really needed him and he wasn't there, I think that shaped me in a variety of ways. Like not only did that push me to want to become the best possible father that I could be and, and be proactive in my children's life, but it also kind of, mm-hmm. as far as the, the, the success aspect goes, like, I just truly believe that, that you can find a balance. Like, I believe that you can be successful in life and still be able to spend time with your, with your, your, your family, your wife, your, your mm. children, because I just noticed sometimes it just seems out there, right? Like, it's like either you're more of like a lower class existence, but then you have time to spend with your, with your friends and family, mm. or it's like some people like they're grinding, you know, they're, they're, they're millionaires, but they don't even see their, their wife and their, and their kids. I just believe exactly. that, that you can find that that middle ground somewhere where where you're able to do both. So that definitely shaped my, my outlook of of life, also. And um, you know, for whatever reason, as uh, as as time went on, I just I don't know. I just never felt like I fit in anywhere. You know, I was kind of mm-hmm. always trying to find my my place in life as I was as I was growing up. And, uh, you know, there just came a point when, uh, you know, I was young, it was probably around the 10, 10, 11 age. And, uh, you know, me and my, me and my buddy, we had, uh, raided his, his parents, wild Turkey, one Oh, one Oh one stash and is the, uh, in, in the liquor cabinet. And, uh, I, I don't know. I just specifically remember after all the shots we did that, that, that night, it was my first real time drinking, like, all of a sudden, mm. in almost a weird way, at that time, like I felt like I finally found what I was put on this this uh, this earth for. Like like partying mm. became my number one priority, and I did it. Like how old were you then? To an extreme. So that was probably around like 10, 10, 11 years old when I when I took. Oh, wow. Yeah, took the first drink, and uh, you know, as time time went on, you know, around around twelve or so, you know, I'm drinking and smoking regularly. And, uh, mm. and and around 15, that's when the hard drugs really came into 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 play, and uh, that that was my life, man. You know, I'm not gonna sugarcoat mm. anything. It was uh, honestly, I was on this mission, you know, to not be sober for any waking moment of life from the time I woke up to the mm. time I, I I passed out, and uh, you know, that kind of became my like calling card, if you if if you will, like. If people wanted liquor and they came to me, if they wanted drugs, they, they, they came to me. I know, I knew where to find everything and I was able to have it plentifully. And, uh, and that's, that's, that's what I did, man. I did, I did it really, really hard too. And um, wow. kind of like, I guess anything in life, I'm either all in or, or, or I'm not playing, you know, <laughs> <laughs> wow. so that's the way that I, that I approach that. And, um, you know, as, as time went on, you know, that's when some, you know, it started to, to shift on you because at first it seems really fun and you're like the, the life of the party. Right. But then somewhere along the way, it becomes like you need it to function. And I don't remember where it really started to shift on me, man, is when I got into my first bad auto accident. And I mean, don't get me twisted. I'm not blaming doctors or, or our, our, our medical, you know, because I was already doing pills far, far before that. But when I was able to get the painkillers like prescribed to me, then 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 it was on and uh, right. from there that's when you know some really really bad things started to happen so you know i started to get arrested 
uh, started to hang out with the wrong crowd, doing a lot, a lot of wrong things. And uh, kind of like the uh, the sun in my in my dark dark horizon came when my uh, my girlfriend at the time she told me that she was pregnant and she was pregnant with uh, with the with our son and um, you know just because I told you how much that that meant to me it was like I felt something different like when when my son was was born man I I was like all right I'm gonna do whatever it takes to be in his life and be the best father that I could I could possibly be. And I almost wish that that would be the uh, the part where I could tell you everything turned turned for me and then and life became great, but unfortunately it it, it didn't. And um, I I did what I had to do to be there for him as much as as I could, but the bottom line was there was just I was I was in too deep, man. There's just the the addiction had me. You know, I would constantly be making, you know, false promises and, and really mean them at the time. Like I knew that I had a problem. I knew I had to turn my, my, my life around and this was going nowhere fast. But I was constantly making empty promises to uh, to to my son's mom that this was this was going to be it. This was this was the last time I would make that last for a few days and then I'd, I'd be back back at it again. And so, um, you know, she would she had moved a few times trying to get away from me. You know, I would talk my way back in every every single time. And um, finally, there there came a point where I just I just photographically, you know, re- remember, you know, I did what I do. And I sneak out in the middle of the night and go to my dealer's house. And I had done way too much. And, uh, you know, that next morning I was getting slapped in the face. All my bags were sitting by the front door. And she said, get your stuff, leave. You're not going to see your son again. You're going to see, see, see me again. And I remember my son's face that day when I, I left, man. And that, that just really killed me because I knew that at that point, even with all that stuff I told you, brother, there was still a line that I would never cross just because like mm-hmm. I could still somewhat hold it together. But, you know, when the one thing in my son that meant the most to me, when I was taken out of, out, out of my life, there was really no reason to stop me from doing anything. A lot of the hard drug use came, heroin, crack. Um, I'm out. I'm out on the streets, homeless, robbing and stealing, do do doing all all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. And um, but I, I can tell you in in hindsight, like I want I want to end it with this because I know that might be a kind of a horror little shocker story to some people out there that are familiar with that with that that lifestyle. I, I can promise you this, brother. Being a drug addict is the best thing that ever happened to me, man. It's, it's the best thing that ever happened to me because because it gave me, brother, when I finally got the gift of desperation, when I was out there on, on one of my last runs where I was just like, bro, I was so tired of losing. I was tired of nothing that Justin did ever worked, man. I was tired of the same thing happening to me over and over again. I got to the point where I didn't want to live. I didn't want other people to, to, to live. And when I finally got that gift of desperation, and coming back out of jail this time, like something had changed inside me. And I finally had the willingness, brother, to seek out God, to seek out help from, from people and, and to take suggestions from them. Like that was a day that my entire life changed. And that was a day that anybody's life can. Damn, man. Yeah. Dude, that's, that, that, that's so crazy, man. And so, um, you know, a few things to me that I found really interesting about this. So you sort of early on in your life, um, you know, your, your dad's busy at work, um, you know, doing what he's got to do. 
you know, for me, also kind of similar scenario. Like I didn't even know my dad mm. until I got older. I would only see him like in the mornings when I would wake up for school right. and I would just be asleep by the time he's there. And and so what I found really interesting about that is so you end up having a son and I, you know, I don't want to imply, but, it, you know, it's kind of like that same desire that you sort of felt like you missed out on on life. Right. You're making sure that you don't do that now to your son. Absolutely. And I find that super, super profound. And, you know, another thing that I want to add on is this, man. I don't I don't think there is. I think, you know, you know, obviously drugs and, and alcohol uh, are, are da- can be dangerous substances, but I don't think there is much. I don't think there's anything more dangerous in this world than a kid doing drugs. Because mm. first off, your brain isn't even developed yet. Right. And so what happens is whatever the substance is, whether you know you're you know vaping nicotine or you're drinking alcohol or you're doing whatever, a lot of this stuff ends up like working as a part of your brain so that when you get, end up going, you know, becoming older, you know, you have lifelong issues with, um, you know, really severe trauma with with addiction. Um, but one thing that you said that really stuck out to me is like you just got in this mode where you just try to get high all the time, yep. like from the moment you wake up until the moment you went down. Definitely. And, you know, honestly, man, for me, when I was growing up, never played around with drugs and alcohol, <laughs> thank God. But yeah. I also had that same desire, but I did it in different ways. I did it with video games. Mm-hmm. I did it with gluing my eyes to the TV. And I'm and I'm curious, like, what do you think makes somebody do that? Whether it's a kid or maybe it's just somebody going through stuff where they're just constantly trying to numb themselves out mm. out of their actual life. Mm. I'm curious. I, I I feel that 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 comes well. First of all, you know it's interesting what what you said that yours was TV and and video games. And one of my main pushes mm. on every message that I bring is that we we all got a different problem, but the solution is still right. is still the, the the bottom line. You know the the same for each of us. But um, I believe it comes from, you know, I don't know. I I think I could just speak for me personally first. I, I remember saying this so much over and over again that like I didn't understand what life was all about. And so from all I saw mm-hmm. when I was growing up um, and, and just viewing like everybody else in their existence. So like if that's all that there is to, to life, like if that's all there is, is just like to wake up, go to work come home, watch TV, live for, for, for Friday. Hey, when it's Monday morning again, like if that's what life is like, why, why wouldn't I get high? <laughs> you know, why, 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 why wouldn't I play video games or watch, watch, watch TV? It's like, right. you know, I, I think that, I think a lot of us miss that there's a deeper meaning to life. We just see all this surface stuff that everybody gets, gets caught up in. I think for children, primarily, if they're viewing their parents getting caught up in that, like, I hate my job, I, I hate my, my life type of type of thing that all of us would look for some type of escape from that right like like it's just you know you know if that if that, that's all that life is so that's why like my story led me to finding out like there is a deeper meaning to, to, to life like you know there there is god involved there is like a deeper meaning in like helping other people and to like do what we each can to make this world a better place like that's where i find significance that's where i find purpose in and, and I think if we can get other people to that to that same level, because what I love about doing this, people might might think that, oh, I don't really have a, 
a shocker story. I wasn't a drug addict. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot of trauma, you know, this, that, and the other. But I guarantee every single person out there that like, you have a unique story. And while you may not think it's that big a deal, I guarantee you there's somebody out there struggling with that exact same thing. And you can be a light to, to, to them to show them that there is hope through that and that here are the ways that I got through it and and you can't do. And I think that's so powerful in helping us find like the the, the, the deeper meaning to this life that, that we do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dude, I love what you said about like, you know, just um, what you said about you just didn't understand life. And I feel like that's such a big, big uh, fundamental that kind of seems like super simple and super straightforward that we should just sort of ignore. But when you really look at, you know, what kids learn and how they learn it, I mean, you know, kids aren't, you know, kid, whether it's parents or teachers or, 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 or whatever, the internet, kids aren't really taught some of the main fundamental skills about how to live life early (laughs) on, you know, like they're taught like a lot of like these other skills that in my opinion don't really matter. Mm -hmm. Um, But, and so I think that's, that's so important. And I remember we had this conversation in our, um, in our hotel room in LA and I showed you this, this quote uh, of what you said of like, when, you know, basically, you know, you said that like, when you don't understand it, you're just sort of seeking out like these, like these temporary, these momentary hits of happiness, of pleasure, mm-hmm. of whatever you can get out of it. And there's this great quote by Viktor Frankl. And it's when somebody is not deeply connected to their purpose for existing, they seek out all forms of pleasure all of the time. Mm-hmm. And so that is so, so massive, man. And, you know, and when it comes to your story, you know, you said, you know, you, you know, your wife told you you were having a son and, you know, you said you wished that was sort of like, you know, the, the final straw for you, but it wasn't. And I just want you to just go a little bit deeper on like, what was that final straw? Like, talk to us about what was going on in your mind of like, what happened where you actually made a decision and actually stuck to it? for for once in your life because i think that would be really powerful for people to hear yeah absolutely so um so well first of all i i can say that you know that i to this point where i'm at now that i am able to be in my son's life and my other two children's life every single day and our relationship is the best that it's that it's ever been and we talk on 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 a regular basis and i'm able to teach him life principles so i'm totally thankful for that um so leading up to Man, I I think it was honestly <laughs> I kind of skipped over that, but we'll go into detail. So so when when I left that point, like when I told you that I no longer had anything to stop me from 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 crossing the line, I'm telling you when I left that day and I knew that like she was for real and that you know I wasn't going to see her and my son again for you know for for a little while or whatever it was, like that just kind of pushed me over over the edge, and you. You know, I can tell you, man, when when we don't care, when when people in our society, when we no longer care about anything like that's the most dangerous people, you know, and that's, that's, so that's when when I took it to a level. I mean, I can't even speak about, you know, half of the stuff that that, that went on during that time frame. But so what happened then was. At that point, probably the only one that was even left in my life at all was 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 old mom, you know, because mom are usually typically the moms are the biggest enablers as far as the, uh, the, the the drug world goes. So like none of my family speaking to me because they know what's going on. I just lost my 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 son and my girlfriend at the time. And so I'm going through all these stages where like I'm going off the 
chain, man. I'm talking about I disappear for like nine months to, to a year, like craziness. And then it like finally gets so bad that I like drag myself back to mom, you know, finger to, to take me in for a little while. And I got a rehab for like, you know, a week, can't even get out of bed type of type of type of thing. And um, I would so that started all these cycles of is I would make it for a week or two. Right. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to the meetings. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to turn it around here. But then I was stuck in this cycle where like I still didn't find the, the significant brother. See, I didn't I didn't I didn't put the things together. And I'm just I thought it was just all about being sober. So I'm just trying to go to these meetings to just try to get sober. I see everybody else laughing, having a good time, enjoying their sobriety. I'm like, I'm like, I, I'm not happy. Like I can tell you that I was still miserable, you know? So, so then I would start these cycles where I would get a job and I would get that first paycheck, but yet I'm still miserable inside. I, have, I haven't found any kind of deeper meaning. And, and then I, I, I would be back out. Cause I would, in my head, the only thing I knew to take that misery away was everything that I had always done. And so then, mm-hmm. then I would, I would, you, I would start using again. I would make it last for a while. And then boom, I would be off the chain again, ripping and running on the streets. You wouldn't see me for nine months or so. And then I'd come crawling back and the same cycle would happen over and over and over again. And, and I touched on it, you know, when, when, when I spoke there, but like, I truly believe this looking back over all those times, it's like, people even ask me like how could you not turn it around then and i believe this applies to everything in life what i'm what i'm about to tell you man but when when the pain of staying the same is finally greater than the pain of change then we'll change (laughs) right but see for me in all those times like as bad as it was and as miserable as i was let's just be honest the pain of staying the same must not have really been that bad (laughs) You know, it wasn't worth going through the the little bit of pain and effort that that, that it takes to to change. So, unfortunately, I was still stuck in that cycle of where where I was fine. Where, where I was and you were just numbing it out. Yeah. Sorry, Absolutely. I don't mean to interrupt you, but like you know that pain, like you were just numbing it out with right. drugs. You would get some money, and then you would just hop over, buy some things that you've always used to sort of comfort you and get rid of mm-hmm. that pain. And you would just be stuck in this constant cycle of trying to get out for a second, but then life sucks. And then you try to go to that pain, right? Over and over again. And then, and then as soon as I I learned this about, about addiction and where I'm at today, like I can't have one of anything. So like, I don't, I don't have one drink, one hit of bud, one hit of anything. I don't, I I can't do anything, man, because Mm. that's the, that's that, that's that what drags you back over and over again. So for me and what we were just talking about, so it's like basically I I could justify it. Oh, well, I'm miserable. I'm going to go back to what I always know. But as soon as I would do it once or twice, then it's over because it has you again. There's no getting out of it. And then that would cause those huge relapses where you wouldn't see me for that, those those long periods of of, of time there. And so um, I don't know. So going back to your original question. So the last Mm -hmm. time, you know, I'm, I'm in this, this cycle, and I'm talking about like crazy stuff, man. I'm up in like we call them trap trap motels, but they're they're places where it's just like you know you have them in every city. They're the seedy mo- mo- motels that nobody wants to go into, and it's basically yeah. people just post up and sell and use drugs in there in there all the time. And man, I mean, I was stuck up in one of those for for four days straight with some people, and I knew I was in bad shape, so I made some phone calls and 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 so you're out there on on the street, you're just ripping and, and running and. I'll tell you what was interesting about what really changed it for me. 
on that last nine month run that I was on, like being out on the street with nothing, bro, it's miserable. Every night you got to figure out where you're going to sleep, where you're, where, where, where you're going to be. But what was funny about this last run is I actually had, had, uh, I got this girl to, to let me stay at her house for like the last three, three months of it. Mm. And I think what was interesting about that is I probably actually had more time to focus on just how miserable that I actually was. And, and, and the turning point for me, man, was that pain that we've been talking about when the pain and misery that I was going through 24, seven, 365, when I would be out there hustling and, and scheming and I, I would finally get some money and I would finally get the drug and I would go to the bathroom. And, and at that point it was in the form of, of a needle for me. And when I would do all the work to finally do what was supposed to take that pain away. But as soon as I did it, I was just as miserable as I was before I even started. Like when it no longer took that pain away, bro, that was that was a deep, dark place. That that, that was a place where, where like I was stuck in it. There was even no the what I always knew to come out of the pain didn't even work in it anymore. That was a dark place, brother. And that was the turning point for me. I just remember being out on the porch. I was so tired of losing, so tired of the same things happening to me over and over again. I was like, no, this is it. Like, I have to do something different. I don't know what it is. It's not anything to do with willpower. I just want to make sure everybody knows that. But it has mm. to do with the willingness. That different desperation motivated mm. me to do something different, to have a willingness to seek out God, to ask people for, for, for help. And that was the day, man, that just turned it all, all, all around for me. And um, just just real, real, real quick, I'll tell you how powerful that that yeah. it is. Yeah. So I'm getting out of jail for the final time, and while everything on the inside had had changed, still nothing on the outside had changed for me. So so for our jail in Manatee County, you have to walk like a mile all the all the way from where you get released all the way out to the front of the the, the jail, uh, facility. So I'm taking that walk of shame that we that we call it that mile long walk, and, and I still have no friends, no family, no money, no car, no job. And I had no choice but to go back out on the streets to a place where people were actively using. Now, now on paper, that's basically like a guaranteed relapse. But I'm going to tell you what that did, that right. desperation, that willingness drove me to pick up the phone and call people from, from AA and say, hey, man, I need, I need help. I'd already established relationships with people from going in and out over and over again. Like, please, can you pick me up for a meeting? Can we go and have have have, have coffee somewhere? It, it, it motivated me to pick up the phone to the people in the in, in the church that I'd already knew and be like, "Hey, man, is there, can can you help me out? Can you can you come pick pick me up, get me out of here for a little bit?" You know, that drove me to to do things differently. That drove me to put in forty applications out there because no one at the time was hiring convicted felons, right? But I was out there and I knew I had to get a full time job to get out of my out of my situation. And, and finally, boom, the door opened up and I was able to to get a job. And then slowly but surely I was able to improve my my living situation. And I and I'm, I was able to improve things in my in, in my life. But I think that goes back to speak on how powerful that gift of desperation is and how much of a motivation it mm. can be to have that willingness pop up in your in in your life. I think it's it's so important, man. I mean, I think without it, you don't really have much of uh, a, 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 of a start, right? And I remember for me, um, I I really truly began to to feel the pain of my life when I stopped, uh, you know, doing all those things, like my versions of right. drugs, right? And once I was able to 
not even necessarily, you know, stop. Like you said, it's not about willpower, but really just sort of feel my life. You, you, you sort of begin to understand like, oh my God, if I don't do mm. something right now that I have never done mm. before, then I'm going to be stuck in like this purgatory, like this cycle of me being miserable for the rest of my life because I'm going to keep going into this loop again and again and again and again and again. And I feel like it's that sort of initial pain that then creates that desperation. But Absolutely. I know for me, I wouldn't have ever gone there if I kept on, you know, doing the things that, you know, were, 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 you know, trying to subdue my pain that I thought I knew about life as sort of, you know, the quote unquote painkillers, even though I never really got into any kind of serious drugs. And so that's, that's so important, man. And so, you know, you talked about it a little bit, you just mentioned it now, but I'm curious, like, once you made this decision, what, like, what did you begin to do, like, in the weeks and, and months and following that? Because I can guarantee you there are, Definitely a handful of people that are literally are are in your position right now that you just described. They may be addicted to some kind of uh, extreme drug around a lot mm-hmm. of bad people. Uh, and then I also know there's a lot of people that have some sort of, you know, uh, uh, addiction issue. And I think a lot of us do, um, but are still sort of stuck in that cycle. So for your story, I would really love to hear like, what what did you begin to do in like those next weeks and months as you made that decision and, and began to sort of live this. Yeah. New life. So, uh, so I can, I can tell you that, that, that really, you know, it, it was go to other people that I knew were successful in the area that I was trying to be successful in. So, so for instance, as I'm, as I'm going back to these meetings again, you know, and just by the way, the people probably saw me relapse, you know, I got, I got enough white chips to play Texas Hold'em over, over at the house. You get a, you get a white chip every, every, every time you come back and try to try to start over again. So they, they saw me probably little, literally a hundred and something times going in and out of these meetings. But, but I went to some of the people that I knew were, were, were the real deal. And so first for the sobriety part is, you know, I asked, you know, someone to be my my sponsor and to help me work the 12 steps. And, I, you know, asked someone who had 20 something years you know, sober, like they knew what they were doing. I've heard them before. You know, I knew that they were the 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 real deal. I also got other people in the room in my to to build a circle and not just have it be be one people, you know, one 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 person. I got other people in my life that I was able to reach out to ask questions you know what do you think that i should that i should do here i think that that was that that was huge Mm -hmm. Um, obviously with 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 god you know i didn't just suddenly have this epiphany and now i'm on this this spiritual level like like none other you know that was a whole process also and so coming in not knowing a lot about that you know i went to you know the local pastor who had time on his on his hands and asked the guy to help me out and um and man he was like instrumental in, in helping me to understand God and, and, and going deeper to that, to that, you know, spiritual part of it. And then, you know, as I had people that were also life mentors also, you know, so I was already blessed with a good work ethic. I was already blessed with, you know, I kind of had an idea of what I had to do to come out of this, but it was just, man, I, I'm telling you, surrounding yourself with people that know more than more than you and always staying teachable like that's a huge principle that helped me out, not only in, in those times, but even currently, you know, I never act like I, I do not know everything. You know, I'm always listening, 
to every single other person and, and running, you know, things by people and asking questions so I can get as much information as, as, as possible. But I think in those, in those, you know, in that first, those first weeks in the first months, like, like you were talking about, it was a hundred percent going to mentors and having those people in my life to, uh, to, to call every single day. And it was that, like I said, it was that motivation. Just like I told you, I knew I had to get a full-time job. And I was not going to take mm-hmm. no for an answer from anybody. So, you know, if they were going to say, hey, oh, no, sorry, we don't hire convicted felons. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Next, you know, next, next, <laughs> over, over, over mm-hmm. and over again. I knew I couldn't stay where I was staying, that that was just temporary. Like I had to get to a place where people weren't actively using. So, you know, so I got the job, was able to save up the money. Boom, I I, I, I went after that. I was able to, to, to get a place to stay. You know, then I was able to upgrade my living situation again. So I think it was a combination, brother. It was a combination of the willingness to go to other people, get those mentors and run stuff by them and every single day. And it was a combination of that, that just that drive that was motivating me with that gift of desperation that I knew I had to do something different. So I was going after it with everything that I that I that I had. I, I, I do want to throw something in there because it's part of my main message to the to the high on Jesus crowd that, you know, I, I speak at every single week. Like this is huge. And this is for anybody out there that struggles with addiction, mm-hmm. uh, you know, especially like I believe that there is a certain select group of us. You know, I think that you have it, too. Like we were blessed with this all in mentality, <laughs> like blessed with this all in mentality that like no matter what come hell or high water, like I'm going to make this happen. And see, I think the problem for a lot of us, especially in addiction, is we just put that in the wrong areas. <laughs> Yeah, we, we took that all in yeah. mentality. We put it towards seeking out drugs and alcohol every every single day. And so I, I tell people, I don't want mm. you to lose that because <laughs> that all in mentality is the best mm. thing that ever happened to you. You just got to realize that if you take that same mentality and you flip it out towards seeking, seeking God and sobriety every single day, like your like your life depended on it. If you take that all in mentality to setting goals for your life finding out what you want your life to, to look like, making a step-by-step process on how you're going to get there and going after it every single day. I'm telling you, big things are going to happen and doors are going to open and opportunities are going to present themselves to you. And I'm just so, so con- con- convinced of that, brother. And I just want to share that with, with everybody out there. Oh, yeah, man, absolutely. That was, I was actually going to ask you that because that's such a powerful message that you have of like, take this addict mindset and start applying it to other areas and you're going to see how fast and far you're going to be able to go compared to the people that necessarily don't have that it's just being able to harness it and it's always sort of uh challenging man and so justin i want to hear a little bit about like how did you begin to start the uh the foundation the the charity that you have that actually is you know one of maybe the first organizations that i've heard that actually has a functional, sustainable mm. solution for people being homeless and being addicted. I'd love if we Definitely. could talk about that. So, um, you know, so so first, uh, so you know, everybody knows the the difference between the two. So, so the high on Jesus is the uh, it's mm. the weekly meetings that we do twice a twice a week in Bradenton, Florida, and uh, and what we do is we're basically just all about putting Jesus in the in the twelve steps. And, and about, you know, all the other principles that we just spoke about on, on here. And so that's the program where everybody comes, you know, you get around like-minded people, you get to get, get a chance to get some, some awesome, you know, uh, motivation in your life. 
And then, so what led to the 501c3 that you're talking about, which is called Hand Up to, to Victory, it actually had to do with, with when I was, you know, leaving the jail and that story that I just shared with you, how, how, you know, even though something on the inside had changed, like nothing on the outside had, had changed for me. And so, and just as I went on in the coming months and in, in the coming years, like I knew that God was calling me to help other, other people. So I started that as a one-on-one basis to sponsor other guys and take them through the, the, the 12 steps. Uh, then it kind of turned into actually high on Jesus started in my, in my living room. And it started out as almost a, you know, a Bible study for like four people. And then eventually we started growing to eight, 10, 12. And then people were wanting to bring, you know, their friends in and people off the, off the street in. And so I knew we had to make it, you know, an official meeting at a church and, uh, you know, eventually, uh, you know, pastor bought into it. He, he, he brought it on and that's where we're at to, you know, today. But in doing this, I knew there was something more. I still felt like there was this gap out there for people that were coming out of jail. They were coming off the streets. They had that same desire within them. They really wanted to make a change, but yet they had absolutely nothing. And so I know that, you know, halfway houses, let's just say on average, are $150 to be able to, uh, to, to, to stay there. And so I know for a lot of people, when it's it seems so hopeless you know, you you have no boy to get a roof over over your head. You have no material possessions. I just know that that can kind of put that that hopelessness in people's head, and it makes it so much easier to go back to what they've they've always known. So um, eventually, I felt God calling me to to do something more. And so, what hand up to victory is 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 all about is this. So um. So we're taking people that are that are coming out of jail. They're coming off of the off of the streets. Uh, we do an interview process with them. Obviously, we want to make sure they're serious and they really have a, have a deep desire to change. So what we do is is we uh, find the halfway house that's open for them. Uh, we put them in the in in the halfway house. We help them out with uh, one to two weeks of the halfway house costs. Then we also help them out if they need other things such as food, clothing, hygiene products. And so uh, what's good about that is is that takes care of the the material part for them. So we get you a roof over your head, make sure you got some some basic items that you that that, that you need to move forward. And then the next part I think is is really huge, brother. I'm always about everywhere I go telling people we're not going to dig ourselves, not going to get ourselves out of this hole that, that, that we dug without getting full-time job and becoming productive members of, of, of society. But what I've done mm. is in um, my yeah. town in Bradenton and in Sarasota also, I go around and uh, places that I see, all my contacts within those those, those different towns, they, they know me well. So I've compiled a huge list and that I give people upon upon uh, coming coming into the to the program. It's a huge list of jobs that are now hiring. They need people now. And I put in there if they hire convicted felons, if they work with people with only certain felonies, whatever it is, some places don't even do background checks. They're just like, come on, we just we just we just need need workers. And so I compile all those lists of jobs for them. And the good news I can tell people is in, in our local area, like everybody's hiring right now. So I mean, so there's no way that that, that you can't find that find it. So we make that available right. to them, and we point people in the right direction with the address, the phone number. I mean, some of these jobs, literally, all you got to do is call, and they're gonna they're gonna basically hire you. So uh, I think that's a huge piece that we add to it. 
and that also has to do with the with the the, the name actually <laughs> because I know a lot of places is you know some people you know you know there's certain cherries out there that are all good don't get me wrong I'm not talking bad about anything but if we're just out there like constantly giving handouts you know is that like helping them or is that almost in a way keeping people where they're where they're at and so what I want to do is, is I want to do something deeper and be like, listen, like we're just not giving you a handout. We're just not handing out free money, and free items. Like if you want it, brother, we're, we're giving you a, a hand up out of your situation. Like we're giving you a hand up to something better. We're going to help you get a place to stay, help you with with material items. We're going to help you get a full time job. And then we're going to suggest that you go to the recovery meetings, such as High on Jesus, AA, NA, you know, go to these other organizations so you can maintain your, your, your sobriety and you can move forward into, into an amazing life. And I, I can tell you, man, we have an awesome su- success rate with this. And, and there's so many people that we've helped already that they're living amazing life. I'm, I'm talking about people have moved up out of the halfway house. They've got their own housing. Uh, they've gotten their license back. They've gotten vehicles back. They've gotten their, their children restored to them. I mean, we got so many amazing stories of, uh, of, of truly what can, what, what can happen when you pour into people and you give them an opportunity to pull themselves up out of their, out of their situation. And they have that willingness to go after it every single day. It's just, just a beautiful thing, man. Absolutely, bro. Absolutely, man. And uh, and and you know, I'm I love learning about this from you as somebody who's not really in, um, you know, kind of this world. Uh, never really, you know, faced any, you know, kind of the severity of these kinds of issues. Um, but I'm curious, like, where do you, you know, I'm, I know you're super focused on right now the present, but like, where do you where do you see this going in like five, ten, yeah. ten years? So. So I can I can tell you this the 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 hand up up to victory one part that I knew was going to open a door to to something huge is and it just uh, we're actually in the beginning stages of it but we just partnered with the Manatee County Sheriff's Office and we're actually rolling out a new program called the Transition to Victory program and we're now taking over their their the men and the women out of the out of their recovery pod which shows you that that don't know that's that's uh, inmates that are that are in there, and they re- personally request you know letting the, the the jail know you know I have drug issues I want to do something about it so they put them into this uh, recovery pod they they call it and it's basically all day long people going in and speaking to them so they basically get meetings in God all day all day long it's pretty 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 cool but uh, we're taking that over for them for all the people coming out that are actually serious about wanting to, to, to make a change. We're going to be handling that for them. We actually have the sheriff coming and speaking at our, at, at our fundraising dinner coming up next, next month. So that's, I think that's, that's amazing. And where I see it moving forward is, is, is obviously I want this to grow to a point where we're able to even, you know, possibly hire a couple other people, that have changed their life through this and now have a desire to give back to, to, to other people so they can help us to, uh, to move this thing forward. And obviously as we grow with, you know, people can see that we're, we're, we're the real deal and we're using people's, you know, don- donations in the, in, in the right way, being totally transparent about everything that, you know, more people are going to, going to get behind this. And, um, you know, so, so I believe brother, that this is going to grow to something big and we can help uh, a lot of people in Manatee and Sarasota counties and, and possibly show other people in other counties. This is like the long-term goal that I have that you're, that you're talking about here 
Like I, I want to kind of make the model for it here. And then I want to be able to show other people in other counties who have a heart towards this, how to start a 501c3, how to, how to replicate exactly what we're, what we're doing so they can get the awesome results that, that we're having with it also. That's really something that I see for the, for the, for the mm. future, helping other people to do the same exact thing that, that we're doing. I love that, man. I love that. And dude, I've, I've had such a great time chatting with you, man. And I definitely want people to get in touch with you. Can you please tell us like your website, your social media handles, what's the best way? for people Absolutely. To to so the website is, uh, is, you know, www.handuptovictory.org. And uh, so that's the best way that you can see more information about us and, uh, and, and, and how you can help us to uh, make this thing move, move, move forward. Um, the social media aspect, we have uh, we have high on Jesus and hand up to victory on our on our Facebook book page. But uh, basically, uh, as far as the, the, the YouTube and other things that we're doing for right now, it's going to be at Justin Hallis, Justin and then Hallis is H-A-L-A-S. And that's a way that you can uh, keep in keep in touch with us and everything that we're that, that we're doing here also. And, uh, you know, that's that, that's that's what it is, man. If, if someone has a desire to help us out. I can also drop, you know, the local number that we have. It's it's 941-782-94882. And we can be able to uh, tell you more about it and uh, what, what we're doing here and the amazing things that are happening. Awesome. Awesome. Justin, the last thing I have my guests do here, I didn't even, I didn't even <laughs> tell you about this before, but I hope it's okay. Yeah. The, last thing, the last thing that I have my guests do here is leave the audience with mm. a question. Somebody, a question that somebody can ask themselves, or uh, a, some sort of a simple exercise that somebody could take action on right after listening to this podcast, uh, mm. if you have one of mine. Well, what I would what I what what I would say to people is is I truly believe that each of us have something in our lives that we know has been owning us. <laughs> I, I believe that there's some area that has been bothering us for a while and, and, and we know we can we can do better in it. You know, for whatever reasons, maybe we've we've tried half half heartedly and nothing happened, or or maybe it's just gone on and we just, you know, kinda haven't had the had the time or the energy to put into into changing that. But but I just believe that if we get to the point, if we're constantly Asking ourselves this question every single day, I believe that this is going to help expose anything that, that, that we need to work on. And the question is, is how can I be better today than the person that I was yesterday? What, what is there in my life that I know truly needs to be worked on, whether that's my relationship with my, with my spouse, with my children? You know, have, have I not been given everything I have at my, at my, at my job? You know, is, is there something that, that I can do better? And just having the willingness to take an honest inventory of that and be like, hey, you know what? Like, this seems to be owning me over and over again. Every time the situation comes up, I find myself getting angry and, and, and upset. So what am I going to do when next for the next time when this situation comes up in my, in my, in my life? Who are some people that I can talk to? Can I pray for God to help me out in, in, in the moment? What am I going to do differently? And I think that that's, 
That's what I think all of our goals should, should be. If we approach every day like that and we always say, you know what, how can I be better today than the person that I was yesterday? Man, I, I believe that that can spark a huge change in this in, in, in this world. And I, I believe a lot of good things will come, yeah. come as a result yeah. of that. I definitely got to work on that one. <laughs> but dude, <laughs> we all do brother it's a, it's a, it's a process it's every a beauty, single day it's man, man of, of, of what makes us human man and dude i could probably talk to you for hours but we got to wrap up here uh, i highly recommend people to um to check out your Sounds stuff good. you're definitely one of a kind and big thanks to everyone out there for listening to this podcast this has been your host mark metric damn you made it till the end of the podcast That's really rare in the age of digital distraction. This really means the world to me. I really hope you enjoyed it. Feel free to hop on over to my website, Mark Metry, or message me on social media. I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. My name is Mark Metry, M-A-R-K-M-E-T-R-Y. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what you learned in this episode and i'll be sure to get in touch with you and if you really really love the podcast i'd highly appreciate it if you went on itunes right now and left me a review it helps way more than you know let's get this humans 2.0 grassroots movement going Woo! get out there and do something impactful today